Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I welcome on photographer and director Matthew Salacuse. Matt has worked with clients such as Reebok, Snapchat, Nike, as well as ESPN and Entertainment Weekly, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Matt about what it was like growing up in New York City, how he first discovered photography, as well as some memorable assignments like the day he got to spend photographing legendary rapper DMX. And I also speak to Matt about some of his recent projects he's been working on over the last few years, uh, filming uh, comedy specials for top comics like Mark Norman, and much, much more. Matt's someone whose work I've been following for years, so I was excited to get him on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. One, two, three. All right. Matt Salacuse, long time coming. Uh, we've been talking about doing this podcast, I think, for like two years. The, or right before the pandemic, I came out here. I was coming out here, and then I locked my keys like in my <laughs> studio, and we couldn't do it. So this has been on, a, on my bucket list to get out here, man, because I've definitely been a fan of your work for years. So really excited to talk to you, man. But I guess like... How you been doing, man? It's been like a crazy two years with everything going on, but it seems like following you along on Instagram, you've been kind of trucking. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me in my kitchen. Yeah, in your kitchen. Good kitchen. <laughs> um, I appreciate you making the time for me, so thank you. Yeah. Yeah, things are going well. Like, uh, you know, everyone had that pandemic slowdown, and everyone had to sort of like reassess, rejigger their careers, and I got lucky in the pandemic because a bunch of my friends were comics yeah so yeah i was able to create things where other people were just like locked in and i was able to be like get outside a little bit with these comics and just be like let's make something yeah because even before the pandemic were you doing that much motion work because even in the last year you've done so many different video projects with these comedians like yeah i shot i I shot a few music videos but that's over like a 20-year career i shot maybe five yeah but since since like pandemic hit i've done like full-length documentaries i've done full stand-up specials i do shoot skits with comics because they're desperate for content yeah and when you lock them in a room they're like they want to bust out yeah, comedians are interesting. Like speaking, we're on a podcast now. Like comedians, like were some of the first people to like re- seem like they were going hard on podcasts, and they all kind of seem like hustlers and this kind of making stuff happen. Yeah, is that kind of the process? Those guys, it's is it much of like a collaboration when you're working on those projects with those guys? Fully. Um, I mean, if you ever know a comic, their life is based on insecurities, and like. Much like photographers is like, where's my next meal coming from? Yeah. They are that times 10 because it's, it's much harder to sell a comedy career than it is to sell a photo career. Because in the photo career, there's something to show. Yeah. With a comedy career, it's like, do you think I'm funny? Yeah. And it's like, that's super subjective. So they, their, their insecurity feeds my career <laughs> because uh, they need to make stuff. They need to constantly progress. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's exciting, man. And I guess to go back, like, like uh, where did you grow up and, like, uh, oh. what were you kind of interested in growing up as a kid? Well, I grew up in Brooklyn. All right. And um, I was interested in... Am I on the mic okay? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, and I was interested in what every Brooklyn kid is interested in, which is 
street culture. Like we played in the streets. We listened to boom boxes walking down the street. So I like got into rap music very early on. All right. Um, and, uh, you know, just everything like sports because you're outside all the time. There wasn't a lot of inside play in Brooklyn. What was some of your like first like hip hop like musicians you were, you were listening to? You remember? Oh, um, I had the forty five of um, the Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, what's the name of the song? Oh shit! I know. I know exactly what you're thinking. It's yeah. a hip yeah, hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hip, yeah, can you, yeah let's wrap rappers the delight. Rappers yeah, rappers delight. delight. Rappers delight. <laughs> and that's where the term hip hop comes from. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Because they would, uh, they people would recall the radio station and say, "Play that hip hop hippie to the hippie song," and they're like, "All right, we're gonna play the hip hop for you." <laughs> That's hilarious. So it just used to be rap before that. That's awesome, yeah. Because I was like looking at your work, you've gotten to photograph so many like legendary like rappers, everyone from like KRS One to like Kanye and like Nas. Yeah, you've done a ton of cool stuff with Nas. That so it's kind of hip hop's always been some kind of passion for you. Yeah, and the. Great thing about it was when I was coming out of school, um, it wasn't something anyone wanted to photograph. Interesting. Yeah. Because there was like a, that's like some of the, like in the 90s, early 2000s, there were so many good hip hop magazines from like, like Vibe Magazine, Double XL, The Source. Um, I, th- I mean, some of those magazines are still around. I don't think Vibe is gone, right? Or, yeah. Well, they, they print online. That's what it is. <clears throat> yeah. But like, there, there was so much good photography that came out of those magazines. At least I remember like being in high school and, uh, like early in college and those were like the magazines i looked at because there was like so much creative photography and those like well they had super creative uh visual uh forces behind them mm-hmm. like george pitts ran vibe yeah. and that guy was a thinker yeah. about photography like he did not play around he didn't hire me uh, <laughs> but like he had constructive things to tell me at the time and it really helped my career wow so you got to meet him one time a couple times yeah wow that's awesome yeah there was you used to be able to go into these places and meet the creative directors and art directors and photo directors that's the thing that i keep talking to with all my friends is like that's how i used to get so much of my work like if i had like a slow slow week where i didn't have any shoots lined up i would just come down to new york like send off a bunch of emails like get meetings with editors or producers and now it's like no one's in office anymore so i'm like i don't even know how to like approach marketing your work anymore it's such a different time oh i've got my salicuse year in review promo yeah ready to go ready to ship yeah i have no one to ship it to yeah i'm like literally what i was doing before you walked in the door i was emailing people i know being like are you at the office can i send this to you at home Oh, so you actually printed a, a yeah promo. i mean <laughs> yeah. yeah what's the response been are people like they're they say oh you can mail it to my house yeah. or you can mail like the, I get mail from my office over to my house. Yeah, because that is the weird thing. Like, especially if you're trying to mail to someone you don't have like a close relationship to, it's like, hey, can I get your home address? Like, it's like yeah. a, it's a weird, it's a hard question to ask. Well, some people are down, some people aren't. Like, it's it's instead of making two thousand of them, which I normally do to send to everyone, I made uh, five hundred fifty of them to send to people I know that I could reach out to an email. Yeah, is that the first like uh, printed promo piece you've done like uh, since the pandemic? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. and. You asked, what are these props he brought along? Oh, that's the, that's the <laughs> promo? All right. <laughs> I, I brought some of my old promos because I'm sort of uh, known for my promos. I don't know if you know that about me, but like people are like, this is an outside-the-box thinker about promos. Yeah. Um, so this promo, the end-of-the-year promo, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm, I'm yeah, going to yeah, show yeah. you, but I'm not going <laughs> to okay, tell okay, you. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but uh, I brought some of the things early, early in my career. Uh, this one. This was 
specifically to get me a job at New York Magazine. So this is like one of your first promos you did. It's dated. Okay. Oh, it's not. The year's not on it. Uh, anyway, so uh, New York Magazine used to have this thing called the shot page. Yeah. Um, and the shot page was just a street photograph. And it was a full page. And I was like a street photographer in college. And I was like, this is the ultimate. You have to have this if you're a street photographer. So I, I, uh, I said, I'm going to do this for you. And I called Chris Doherty, who was the, the head muckety-muck at New York Magazine. And I was yeah. like, hi, this is Matt Salakis. I would love to shoot your shot page. And he was like, who's this? <laughs> I was like, Matt Sally, he's in NYU. And he was like, okay, bye. And he just hung up. You can call people. <laughs> he hung up. I hung up. He was like, okay, thanks, bye. Jeez. And I was like, and I called him back. Yeah. Right, immediately. Right after, after? Right after. And I was like, look, I know you just hung up on me. I was like, just hold on one second. What I want to tell you is I'm going to send you a photograph every week. Yeah. Until you hire me. What did he say? I hung up. He hung up again. Yeah. Jesus. So I started doing these things where I would take a, a photograph on the street and I'll pass it over to you. And uh, it's just a four by uh, a four by six print on double weight. Wow. And it's see, I think this is awesome because it's so personal. All it is like for people listening, it's a, it's a, yeah, like you said, it's just a print. And then on the back, you just wrote a little note and then your phone number. That's not even my phone number. That's my beeper number. Wow. <laughs> dude, this is like pre-email. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. So after, it was like seven weeks or seven months, it was a long time of sending these every week in the dark room. I'm like, you know, mixing the chemicals and doing the print. I get a phone call. I get a beep. And I call back. And it's New York Magazine. And he's like, uh, is this Matt Salakus? And I was like, yes. He was like, you can stop sending the prints. We're going to hire you. Wow, dude. You must have been so hyped, dude. Yeah. Man, have you always had that, like... Because that takes guts, man. Like, just calling up somebody on the phone. Like, I don't know that people do that as much anymore. Like, but, like, what do you remember about, like, just making that call? Were you just kind of fearless or nervous? Or, like, have you always just kind of had that in you to, like, just kind of... Well, my my father uh, was an entrepreneur, and he would always tell me tales about how he was a door-to-door salesman. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's like, you're going to get the door slammed in your face 95% of the time. Yeah. He goes, but that time when they open the door, he goes, yes, that's when, that's when you feel it. And that's when I felt it. When that guy called me back, I was like, oh, I know what my dad was talking about. Yeah. And this kind of solidifies that hard work. Like, it, it kind of proves, like, you keep going at it. Like, you will get a chance. It's like, yeah. Because that's this career, man. Like, you've been doing it. How many years have you been doing this now? Like, you're like... 20- my LinkedIn says 25 years, and I can't believe that might be true. Yeah. But, like, do you, it's, it, it's still that same battle. Like, from when you started to now, you're just constantly, like, grinding, trying to find that next job. And oh. It, it doesn't really change. It's the, it's the kind of same thing, right? Oh, like I told you, I today, before you walked in, I was writing personalized emails to photo yeah. editors and photo directors. Yeah. Like, it's a grind every day. Yeah, man. I know that feeling. Like like I was saying before, I used to, like, when I had downtime to set up meetings, I'd, I'd spend, like, a day and blast out, like, personal emails to, like, hundreds of editors and then hopefully get, like two or three meetings set up out of that like 100 emails and that oh and that's a good week yeah for real yeah yeah it was a grind oh uh not caveat but a little uh bookend to the story my wife is now the photo editor at new york magazine <laughs> chicken can she hire you there or is there like a, a there, no, no. <laughs> the funny thing is like she goes uh she's worked at you know last 
decade, she's worked at different magazines, mm-hmm. like uh, Esquire, Entertainment Weekly. And every time she goes there, I start working there less. That, yeah, yeah, because it's like, uh, what do they call it? Uh, nepotism? Yeah, but isn't nepotism only, that's for like kids or something. But no, it's, I think it's in the family, but in the, the yeah. expression is nepotism is its own punishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I have a friend like that. His wife is a creative director at this magazine. He's like, I can't work there. I was like, <laughs> like pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, actually, I mean. What is that like having a wife who's like a photo editor? Do you guys like, will she like look at your work and give input? Or is it like, do you guys just kind of separate your jobs? I, th- I think she's very tactful. She's Southern. She's uh, very, uh, she plays it close to the vest. So like she won't outright come out and be like, this is whack. But she'll be like, if I ask her anything, she'll give her honest answer. Yeah. And she's almost always right. Do you feel like, do you do you are you a person who wants that feedback from people like do you show your work to your friends or is it more kind of like a constantly there's two uh i have two close confidant friends that i speak to i don't see them much anymore because they're uh because of the pandemic we just can't go yeah, to yeah. restaurants like we used to yeah but uh i am on a text chain with them almost every morning just yeah. like what's up yeah. where's work and what do you think of this is the retouching on his bad? Did I overdo it? Yeah. Um, and it's Chad Griffith, who you should, who you know, obviously. Yeah. And Cream Black, who yeah. you also know. Yep. Yeah, good dudes. Yeah, it is important to have that, like, like feedback, like, from people, I think. It's like, because you can kind of just get stuck in your own zone and just kind of get other people's perspective. At least for me, I find it helpful. Like, when I'm trying to, like, edit my website, I struggle with that. It's like the sequencing and, like, getting other people's opinion. I know a lot of times that's kind of helped me. Yes, and something keeping you honest is invaluable yeah um it keeps you out of the bubble like for example i told you that i'm now friends with a bunch of comics they send me jokes they're like it's hard to know if something's funny because it's funny in your head so they send me a joke they're like is this funny wow that's funny they they're professional comedians and they're sending you jokes to get your opinion on it yes that's hilarious because i guess yeah because in your head when you write a joke you're like oh this is funny yeah but then you're like i don't know if this translates to you know the real world yeah, that is interesting because their audience is just like the general public. Like they're professional comedians and their expertise is jokes, but like they could get like, like probably get too into it sometimes, but they have to like make it so like the common person thinks it's funny. Totally. Yeah, that's interesting. That is, a, we'll get into it. That's like, a, I'm so interested in that world. Um, but how did you kind of first pick up a camera? Well, um, I went to NYU and I kind of snuck in the back door there. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't really good at book learning, so the teachers sort of let you know that right away. And they're like, why don't you try photography? Oh, because like when, you, when you got to NYU, like what were you initially doing? Like what was your... Well, there's like a general, I think they call it, not, it's not general admission, it's like general something. Like liberal arts? Or yeah, liberal yeah. arts, but yeah. it's like general studies, I think it might be called. Yeah. And I was just doing that as like just math. Yeah, like Science, the, history. Yeah, yeah, that like first year of college, it's all like basic psychology. Yeah, yeah extended <laughs> high school. Yeah, yeah. And then they were like, "Oh, you're not great at this. Why don't you try something visual?" And I was like, "Okay." Yeah. And I did, and then I, and then they're like, "This you have an aptitude for." Wow, that's amazing. You hadn't even picked up a camera until you got to college. That's pretty yeah. cool. Second year of college. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, was it like? Did they have cameras that you could use, or did you end up just kind of getting one yourself? Or no, they're like, go out and buy the Pentax K1000. Yeah. Yeah, nice. and which I did, and then yeah. What were you shooting photos of, like when you first picked it up? Street photography, like yeah. squirrels in the park. Yeah. You know, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> that is interesting. Like New York City, like. 
there's just such a rich history of like street photography like it, it, whenever i come here because it's so different from where i grew up like i grew up in a small town in massachusetts yeah and, and when i come here this like I walk down the streets of New York City and I think of like all these like famous photographers that like, like street guys that have been like Bruce Weber or like like Robert Frank or whoever these guys who just like lurk these streets and there's just so much history to the street stuff like what Stanley Kubrick was a street photographer wow yeah he was a photographer for life before he was a film director oh really I didn't realize that great work you should look it up yeah yeah what was it about the street photography stuff that kind of like piqued your interest early on you think well just it reminded me of you know everything i saw growing up i was like oh this energy in the city like you know guys pushing full uh clothing uh racks yeah you know like through the garment district like you don't see this everywhere else so like if you could capture that and then show someone who's someone from massachusetts they'd be like oh wow yeah to me it was every day yeah so there's something different every day when you go out and just stand on a corner and something different happens every day. Yeah, for real. And like at NYU, like how is that program? Was it kind of like a fine art thing where you kind of do what you wanted or would they kind of give you assignments? Or like what they have you- a very strong photo department Okay. at Tisch, which is their school of the arts. They yeah. have a great film department, mm-hmm. obviously, and then a very strong photo department as well. And, like, what kind of stuff were, were you basically just doing street photography the whole time you were there? Because, like, looking at your work now, it's very, it's like lots of portraits and stuff. Well, yeah. what's funny, yeah, they kind of let you decide what you want to do. They'll show you, they'll give you examples of great work and how to shoot it and, you know, zone system and, like, very formal training. Uh, but then they're sort of like, let the leash out and, like, you find your way. Yeah. And, you know, there's no money in taking a street photograph. So, I ended up taking that style of photography and bringing it into my portrait work. Yeah. Yeah, that is an interesting thing about your work. Like, you do, you'll do, like, these, like, studio portraits, really, like, lit stuff, but then, like, a, a large segment of your work that I really enjoy, it's, like, the day-in-the-life stuff where you'll, you'll, like, go on tour with a musician or, like, right. follow some celebrity around for their day and kind of see what they do. So it kind of is, like, you kind of have a mix of, like, that photojournalism and, like, like portrait stuff, it seems. Yeah, yeah, and to hear my wife tell it, She's like, this is your strength. Only do that. What and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, but I do the studio stuff so well. She's like, no, no, do this thing. This is what you do well. I would say, yeah, it is true. I love it the best because it's like having that skill to like immerse yourself in like someone's world. Like it, it's not easy to do. Like you have to, you, you feel like you have to have the right personality to kind of almost be a fly on the wall and this kind of because you're hanging out with all these different people and then you have to be able to like take these intimate pictures yeah with, and you most of the time you just literally met that person that day yeah i had uh lunch with chris buck uh last week and i don't know if he was giving me a compliment or he's talking about himself but i'm taking it as a compliment for myself he's like <laughs> when i see your work I look at the picture and I know what it's like to be in the room with that person. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is the best compliment I ever got. I'm not sure if you're complimenting yourself, but I'm taking it. No, that's definitely a compliment. Chris Buck, man, he's one of the most interesting dudes ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when you're in college, like, were there any photographers that you, you kind of remember that you, inspired you or whose work you were kind of looking at a lot, like when you're first starting out? Yeah. I mean, I looked at obviously. Um, you know, street photographers like yep. Frank and Susan, not Susan Mizellis, but I looked at her work. Yep. Um, I loved uh, Mary Ellen Mark. Yeah. Um, can I give a recommendation? Yeah, anybody. Okay. There's a movie, I, it's very hard to find. It's called Streetwise. Yeah. By Mary Ellen Mark and her husband, Martin Bell. Yeah. 
um, and it's from, from like 1983. I think it's one of the finest documentaries of the 80s, and that's saying something. It's so, such a niche little story. Um, she ended up doing a, a photo book project on the character, um, a little prostitute 14-year-old girl named Tiny. Yeah. She ended up doing a story about her and some of her most famous pictures. But there's a documentary about all these, I think it's Portland street kids, and it is fucking heart-wrenching. And it's, wow, I'll have to check that out. That streetwise? Streetwise. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get on the internet. I'll, if I can find the link, I'll, I'll, I'll share it. That's pretty badass. Um, so when you got out of college, like, did you, did you know what you wanted to do? Like, cause you've obviously shot for all these big magazines and advertising work. Like, were you even thinking about that at that point? I did it in college. Oh yeah. Cause you were sending, yeah, you're sending that to the, the yeah, I did it in college. So I, I was a hustler. So I reached out to like any magazine, any magazine. Yeah. And you know, New York magazine hired me, this magazine called city magazine hired me to like shoot party pics. Yeah. So that was similar to street photography. And I just started getting in shooting celebs and like and i did it a little differently like i held the flash i did it like uh larry fink style like oh this in your face camera and like the lights low and then people were kind of surprised yeah yeah yeah. and and then the the photo editor's like we've never seen anything like this i was like i have i saw it in college my whole life (laughs) that's hilarious and did you did you ever do any like assisting at all because i know a lot of people kind of go that route once they got i did i assisted for six months or a year and i saw these guys and i learned so much from them yeah and i said to myself this is only this is something only a 21 year old would say is like i can do what you do yeah and i you know that's the hubris of a 21 year old i think you have to have that's what i realized the talking to all these photographers you have to have that like cockiness if you want to have something you have to have a level of cockiness i think to like actually believe in yourself i think if you don't have it like you won't be able to like yeah get through that wall i don't know i think you're totally right about that yeah um and i, th- I heard someone say this i think it was malcolm gladwell he's talking about uh freelancers or people in the arts who make it yeah they have um some sort of they're built differently mentally where uh criticism bounces off them they yeah. don't they don't take it in yeah um and i definitely have that where i'm like someone says something you know, critical, and I'm like, that don't mean shit to me. Yeah, you're like, you don't get it, man. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Whereas someone who would take that in would be like, oh, let me go back in my shell and rework this and da-da-da, and then you don't hear from them again for a little while, and maybe you don't hear from them again ever. Yeah, because that's, like, the weird thing as an artist, like, at least, like, for me, like, early on, like, when I was shooting photos and you're trying to figure out how to make a living from it and you're listening to everyone's opinion and you're like, okay, I guess I should try that and I guess I should try that, but, like... At least for me, it took me a long time to get to the point where, like, no, nah, I'm just going to, like, do what I do, stay in my lane, keep doing the work. Yeah. And if people fuck with it, they fuck with it. But if not, like, whatever. Like, right. But if it's, like, I feel like if you, if, you, if, you, if you listen to everyone's opinion, you'll get nowhere. You know? That's a great point. Yeah. I don't know. That's my, that's my rant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, How do you feel about the vaccine? <laughs> no COVID. I'm getting the booster next week, so that's, oh, okay, that's, where I'm okay. at. that's where I'm at. I was like, "Why well, you're ranting? You might as well go." <laughs> no, I'm not doing the COVID. <laughs> no more COVID talk, man. I can't okay. do it. Uh, yeah. So, what? Like when you're marketing your work back then, it was so different. Like, like you're this email and the promos, and didn't magazines back in the day you they'd have days you could like drop off your portfolio, right? That's right. That's did, right. Did you used to do that? No. 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 I would call. Yeah. And say, you know, 
uh, I like to set up an appointment or and I, I think they appreciate the the hustle. They're like because they see the difference between someone who drops their book off on a Tuesday and someone who who wants to make a connection. Make that connection. Yeah. Yeah, sit down and like actually talk to them about what they're doing. And I think like honestly, eighty or ninety percent of the work I got is based on personality. Yeah. Like the work is there, clearly, but Joe Blow's work is there too. Yeah. But if you're if I'm in the room with them and the work is there, you're you're gonna get a job. Yeah, like so much of it is like if you can make a connection with the person. Like I remember I got a job one time just because like I had like I grew up skateboarding. I still skateboard sometimes, and it's the dude I was showing my portfolio to. He was like a skateboarder too, and I was like, he was like, yeah, I want to hire you, man. I saw the skateboarding stuff. I'm like that's cool. <laughs> it's just like some random shit. Yeah. Like, it had nothing to do. He hardly even looked at my work. He was like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a common connection or whatever. Uh, my wife I mentioned is a photo editor, and she'll be like, I have a choice between hiring. This person or this person. Yeah. And uh, she's like, but do I want to sit on a plane next to that person for six hours? Yeah. And then she ends up hiring person B. Yeah. Who's going to be easy to deal with? And yeah. Not like a... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because like, you, like, you don't realize when you're on these shoots, you're having every meal with that person. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> after shoots over, you're getting a drink with that person. You want to make sure that you jive on some level. Yeah. So like being in the room and like looking someone in the eyes when you're showing them your work makes a difference yeah definitely man and that's like, a door-to-door salesman stuff though yeah and that goes both ways even our end like there's clients you work with you know, i've had where i'm like i don't want to work with these people anymore <laughs> man <laughs> it's like it just brings stress on you but i mean yeah. that's, that's part of the job but yeah i don't know um oh yeah in terms of like marketing your work i mean we talked about it a little bit but you and kareem I know you guys used to do these like street campaigns. I think you guys were like wheat pasting. Like, what are like some of the ones that kind of stick out in your mind? Because it wasn't that one. I forget it was either. It was like one you and Cream did together where Cream said like, "I'm." What did it say? I married Lindsay Lohan or something. Uh, to wed Lindsay Lohan. We made fake newspaper headlines for ourselves. Yeah. And we made them in New York Post style. Yeah. And we just made giant eight by ten stickers, and put them all over the city. And uh, did it have like your phone numbers and contact info? Or it anything? just it said Salacuse dot com. Okay. We, we referred to ourselves as creamblack.com and Salacuse dot com. So yeah. it was like, uh, I, oh geez, I can't even remember mine. Oh, I think mine was Salacuse dot com. Tastes great, less filling. <laughs> <laughs> so people were like, "What the fuck is this?" And we were. It was just him putting up his and me putting up mine, and we would just go out at night and just hit every fucking thing. We didn't hit any stop signs, which were federal, or we didn't hit any uh, mailboxes. We just hit, like, uh, the Village Voice cases and stuff like that. But they were everywhere. Did, did anybody, did you ever get any calls from like, the city or anybody like, hey, what are you doing? I got one call. Who was it? Like, it was the Village Voice. Like, don't put your shit on our... Plan. That's what they said. <laughs> They're like, we don't want to take us to the police. They're sort of underground, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're like, but we weren't ready for your street team's campaign. <laughs> I was like, street team? <laughs> it's, it's me. Little did you know? It's me and yeah. my boy Kareem. Right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, and it's interesting that you did a collaboration with another photographer marketing your work. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone doing oh, that. Oh, I still get calls about that where people, you know, art director calls and they're like, hey, I'm so glad to finally work with you. I was like, oh, yeah, I've known your work for a while. And they would say, that sticker campaign. Yeah. Like, that sticks in people's mind. Yeah. Because photographers were not promoting themselves with stickers in 2004. 
Yeah, ever, that is interesting. Like, like for the most part, the way people photographers, it's been yeah, like promo cards, maybe a booklet or a book, but like nothing really like that. It, it seems like you kind of have fun with the the marketing aspect a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, if you're just making a promo like everyone else, it's gonna get thrown in the trash. That's why, um, I made like this. Like this was my promo in twenty. 15 yeah it's uh all of my celebrity shoots and i turned them into temporary tattoos it almost looks like i used to this is real nerdy but i used to collect stamps as a kid yes and the stamps would always come like in this clear thing yeah you could, you, you could see it or whatever yes. <laughs> that's hilarious yeah tattoos <laughs> yeah so man. you could so i'd have photo editors and this isn't once you take it out of the uh envelope yeah. there's no branding so you you put a asap rocky tattoo on your arm, it doesn't say Matt Salakus on it. It's just ASAP Rocky. But I know you're thinking Matt Salakus when it's on you. Yeah, definitely. That's hysterical, man. Yeah. Yeah, I got to try some more fun shit like that. Like, I don't know. Just think outside the box. I think people get too nervous. Like, the, they think, like, people will take it the wrong way or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But that's... I'm immune to criticism. I like it. <laughs> Me too. Bring it on. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, but I, I think you touched on something which was the stickers and it's I've, I've been tied to street culture my whole life so i think that's where that idea came from mm. yeah it's like what's that dude shepherd ferry the obey dude he, yeah like i live in rhode island or outside of rhode island he that's where he started pacing all the obey stuff is that right yeah because he went to risd uh, and he and he did the the andre the giant uh, i have that sticker yeah so you'll see that you'll see that a ton in massachusetts and stuff wow. but yeah it's like all over the place huh. yeah it's pretty funny um i guess like in terms of like like how you photograph like your process like when you get like a portrait shoot say for like a magazine like what's that process look like for you is there like a certain way you like to prepare like are you a guy who does a lot of research on people like how do you kind of prepare yourself when you're going into a shoot i guess i mean it really varies yeah. um it depends on how much time i have um i was talking to my friend peter yang who's a photographer and he's like if the day before your shoot you're at a party supply store, you've lost. Oh, that's a, that's pretty funny, dude. <laughs> you're funny. Yeah, rabbit up a hat. Yeah. So it's like you gotta take make the effort to not be in the party supply store yeah. the day before the shoot. But yeah. I've definitely been there. Yeah. Like when I was in LA, I had nothing for my Rihanna shoot, and I was like. I, I was going to ask you about that photo because it's so interesting. I love it. It's like you have this photo of Rihanna. She's like standing on like a like on the street behind. There's this like like uh, bushes behind her. Yeah. And she's holding a like a heart balloon. Yeah. And it was just so different from the photos you see of her anywhere because so much of like you see someone like that is like so much glamour and like hair and makeup. And yeah. It was just such a weird. I loved it. What was like the story behind it? Well. um... It was supposed to be a sunset shoot. Okay. <laughs> she showed up late. <laughs> I'm not going to say she was late. She was nine hours late. Oh, shit. But not not late because the call time was 11 a.m. Okay. And she showed up at noon. Oh, okay. So she was on time. Yeah. But her, she took her time getting her everything done. Mm -hmm. And then, like, ordered food and had friends over and, like, just took a spa day with uh, like a milk studio in LA, just like I'm gonna take this time for myself, and you know, and I was 
shook because I was like, I'm not like, I was like, okay, the 3 p.m. shot, scratch it. Yeah. 5 p.m. shot, scratch it. So I was like, I got to have to do a night shot now. <laughs> what? Well, yeah. What's the emotion? Are you just like in the corner? With Panic. You, just walking in circles like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like, yeah. Well, Panic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would go up to like, she had her own studio and I had my own studio. So I would go up to her studio and it was just an armed guard in front of it. Yeah. And like my job as a photographer is to like speed up the hair and makeup people, speed up the nails lady, speed up. And so like, I would be like, okay, I'd like to ask them. And then the armed guard just folded arms, shaking his head, no, like, no. Like, not even words, just no. Yeah. It's like, go back to your studio. And I'd go back to my studio. Yeah, that's wild. Do, do you feel like, have you gotten better at dealing with that over the years? Do you, do you still get as stressed or is it? Same stress level every time. Yeah. I guess you got it. You, you have to have that. Because it's like, you got to get, it's like, whatever the job is, you got to make it happen. It's, yeah. And it's on, it's on you. Like, I mean, shit, I got a temporary tattoo out of the deal, so I'm good. <laughs> I got a Rihanna temporary tattoo. And do you feel like your process, the way you photograph, has changed much over the course of your career? Or, like, just in terms of, like, I don't know, how you light stuff or how you, your composition or how you approach Yeah, lighting changed um, in my studio stuff. I just took it more seriously for a while. I was just like, umbrella and backdrop. And I just, like, did the basics. Um, Chad Griffith, uh, had a lot to do with me changing my style because I saw what he was doing and I was like, oh, you are working at this every day. Yeah. And to a point I was like, I looked at myself in the mirror and I, like, I don't listen to other people's criticism, but when I criticize myself, I yeah. take it very seriously. Yeah. And I looked at it in the mirror and I was like, oh, you're not taking your career seriously. You felt like you were just kind of getting complacent on like how you like just kind of approach the shoot. and Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I, I would watch him shoot, and uh, I would say, oh, okay, you have to be better. Yeah, Chad's the best. He, there's so many times he emailed me. Like, he emailed me one time. He's like, yo, B&H has got these pro photo lights on mad discount. You should pick one up. <laughs> yeah. And I did. And then he's like, emailed me or like text me. He's like, I just bought these old lights off eBay or some shit. And I was like, man, this is badass. Like, he, re <laughs> he really is like tinkering at it. And like, yeah, no, he's a little wizard. Yeah, really like pushing it. Cause it, it I've definitely fell in that trap where you can just show up to every shoot and set up the same light every time like here's my light this is what i do and it's like the same thing but yeah i don't know yeah yeah so um and i don't think i really even changed like that affected took effect like 2014 yeah like before that i'm not saying i didn't take it seriously but i got like like oh this lighting setup works every time so just keep doing it and i wasn't being like Oh no no no! You have you're photographing a woman. She needs to be lit in a different way than you know Jada Kiss or you know, whatever. <laughs> I was like, okay, so like now I'm, I sort of tailor it to each person. Yeah, no, that's that's smart. And the one thing, uh, a lot of your work, there's like a, even in your promos and some of your photos, it's like there's like an element of comedy. And now you're working with all these comics. Is like comedy always been something you've tried to incorporate in your work, or like when did you kind of start bringing that into it? Well, I always like to show, like, the rapport is super important to me with me and the sitter. Um, so if I can get them loose with a joke or with a line or whatever, with a, you know, with a prop or whatever, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and that gets them more comfortable and that makes for a better picture. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I infuse comedy in that respect but i'm not like intentionally trying to be like yeah. you know 
and when you're like uh, trying to do stuff like a little more outside the box stuff with certain subjects like what's that process of like it, it, you're is it kind of like you have to kind of pitch it then to li- a little bit and explain to them why you want to do it and yes like, and that stuff never makes it past pr okay so my little secret is just bring it to set yeah you don't even yeah and like for example the uh if you look at my Migos photo, yeah. where I have them wearing a three-headed Gucci sweater, <laughs> yeah. all three of them wearing one sweater, yeah. um, I didn't pitch that because I know that wouldn't, it's a non-starter. The PR would be like, this is ridiculous, we're not going to do it. Yeah. I just laid out all their clothes for the day, and then I put that on a table, yep. and they wore, first shot they wore their clothes, and then uh, Quavo comes up to me, he's like, what is that? Gucci sweater. I was like, I had this idea, you know, you're the... You're you're like brothers, so you're like one three-headed person. And he was like, "I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it." And then, so they put it on, and it's like the greatest moment of my life that this happened. And um, I can't remember. If we came, came, I think it was uh, Offset. He comes up to me, and he's like, "Just one question, man. Is it real?" <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean is it real? Are you fucking serious?" <laughs> I was like, "I the, Gucci's not coming out with a three-headed line this season." And you think I can afford it? <laughs> <laughs> My styles literally went to Canal Street, got a bunch of scarves, and sewed that thing together. Yeah, that's hysterical. And when you're dealing with the celebrities, like me, you shoot a lot of that stuff. Is there a point, though, like, do you worry about pissing off the PR people that were, you piss them off too much where it could affect, like, you're actually... Well, like, I'm not doing anything to piss anybody off. Yeah. I mean, what would piss somebody off would be... Hey, let's do a three-headed Gucci. They say no, and you do it anyway. Yeah. That is like, you know, you're being defiant at that point. Yeah. But like, you know, it, the, the, the PR person, their main goal is to keep their client happy. Yeah. So if their client puts on a three-headed thing and they have a great time with it. They're like, all right, cool. They're good with it. Yeah, because they But work. they just don't want to be like, they don't want to have to answer questions later. Be like, why did you let me wear that thing? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like. Yeah, it makes sense. So like. If you're delicate and like there's a rapport, you can almost do anything. Like, um, the, my biggest nut to crack was Andy Samberg. Yeah. Who is, you would think, be down for anything. And he is, but you sort of have to give him justification for it. Yeah. So I was like, I had something, and uh, he was like, okay, why? And I, I had this giant inflatable um, donut. <laughs> And I kept it behind, like, the black curtain. And they're like, okay, you guys want to try anything else? And he's like, yeah, I'm up and try something. I'd be like, I just pulled the curtain back. and was a giant donut. Like, ta-da. And he was like, but why? Yeah. I was like, you can't but why a giant inflatable donut. I was like, because giant inflatable donut is funny. Yeah. And he was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is funny. Yeah. What is... Because, like, in my mind, like, I, I've never worked with a comedian. Like, I would, th- I would think, like, comedians are, like, goofy, laid back. But, or is it more... Are they very like? Well, Sandberg is cerebral comic. Yeah. He's not a comic; he's a comedic actor. Yeah. But uh, most of the comics I work with are willing to try anything. Yeah. But I tell them before I take the picture, I was like, "Hey, we'll shoot this. If you don't like it, I'll scrap it. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to make you look stupid. I'm here to make you look good. Yeah. So their their fear is like they don't want to look dumb, or not dumb, corny. Yeah. And oh, Chad wanted me to ask you, Uh-oh. is there anything that you pitched 
to a subject that you really, really wanted to happen and like it just they wouldn't do it? Is there one that sticks out in your mind where like, damn, that one, I, I, you love the idea so much, but for whatever reason, they it just didn't pan out. I like I said, very specific questions I'm yeah. having a hard time with, but. Yeah. Yes, that's, that happens all the time, yeah. but I can't think of one off top. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, did, he, did he give a suggestion? Because he hears me bitch all the time, like, this didn't work. I can't believe it didn't work. No, nah, he just asked me that, and then he was like, he's like, ask him, like, one that got approved that you thought they would never do. Oh, the three-headed. That one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And then, like, uh, obviously you do editorial, but then you shoot, like, advertising stuff. Like, you've done like, some really cool, like, key art stuff for, like, mm. TV shows and whatnot. Yeah. Like... How different is that process, like, the way you approach advertising shoots to editorial? Is, is it a lot different, you feel like, the way you approach those type of shoots? Or what's, like, the mindset? The uh, Getting the shoot is everything. Yeah. And then doing the shoot is, like, nothing. Yeah. Because it is so heavily art-directed, so heavily uh, produced. Like, I have a hand in it, meaning, like, I get to try and get the subject to do what the art directors are telling me to do yeah. to get out of them. Um, but it's, uh, the, it's very hard to infuse your own creativity there. And that's my strength is like, like I said, personality and creativity. Yeah. So like it's, you're a bit handcuffed because yeah. you have to shoot what they're saying, but there are times like, um, I was shooting a thing for Reebok yeah. and I was shooting Rick Ross and he was uh, two hours late, and they're shooting a music video, not a music video, a video commercial, and I'm the stills guy. So they were like, I set up my shot, sunset coming in, and they're like, he's two hours late, so you're not going to get your shot anymore. Sure. And I was like, but I can do it before he goes to set. Yeah. And they're like, nah. no, 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 the commercial, the video is takes precedent and if you can get anything that's great but if you can't i was like look he's got to walk by my set to get to his to five, video set. five frames boom 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 that's what i said <laughs> yeah and i was like just i was like can you get him to stop right there yeah and they're like no and i was like can you get him to walk slowly <laughs> and they're like and just look over this yes we can do that. That's hilarious. And that's the fucking campaign. That was billboards all over the world was this one shot. Was that that campaign you shot like him? I think Tyga. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a cool campaign. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, because it was... Yeah, I, I like that one. That is funny. Yeah. Now this goes back to... You just got to keep pushing for what you need. Like, yeah. Even on those ad shoots, you'd think it would be like all scheduled out, but it's like, nope. It's yep. like, you still got to like... They literally said, Salakis, put your cameras away. Cause like, it, it's over. Because then, uh, no matter what... Even though uh, it was out of your control, he wouldn't stop. At the end of the day, once the shoot's done, they'd be like, wait, so you didn't get anything? Because that's what they would probably say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'd be like, whoa, whoa. It, so there's no, it's like there's no excuses. So well, they probably wouldn't turn it on me being like, it's your fault, but you wouldn't be hired again because you didn't, they're like, well, he didn't deliver. Yeah. Yeah, it's stressful. <laughs> it's interesting. And in terms of like the advertising stuff, like um, I know you work with a rep. I think you you went with day reps for a while, right? Yeah, about five years, I think. That's something I talk to a lot about with friends. Like, what was that kind of process for you? Like finding a rep. Like, um, is it something like what? Do they, what do they kind of bring to the table for you? Well, like, she's a wonderful rep, Devin Day at Day Reps. She yeah. is like uh, involved in my life meaning like she gives a shit yeah like i've met with reps 
over my career and I never really gelled gelled or cotton to them because it's like they're sort of like what can I gleam off you yeah. you know like what can I you know how can I use you for my benefit and her approach is sort of the other way around like how can I help you yeah and she's been very uh, good in that respect for my career and do you feel like in your opinion like if you want to be like a working photographer like shooting commercial work do you think you need to have a rep in this day and age or like can you I don't know yeah. because it's hard to tell I can only tell it from the perspective that i have like yeah. i didn't need it for the first 20 years of my career yeah uh but the last five i had a, a kid yeah. and i was like oh okay someone is relying on you to you know buy mattel toys so you, <laughs> like get get to making money yeah so that's when i reached out to her and nah, she's, yeah no nah, that's good man it's hard to find someone that you click with and like respects your work so it's great yeah. you you have that relationship um and then back to the comedy stuff which i've been it's been awesome to watch you over the last year or two especially during the pandemic all the cool like uh, documentaries and like little skit videos and uh you've been doing like like badass like honestly my favorite comedians right now mark norman and then like sam morell oh, those are my two good friends yeah like how did you kind of start working with them like and like how's that been well i started working with mark about 2014 or 2015 um Someone introduced us and said, oh, you guys would get along. You should shoot something together. And we did. Yeah. And then slowly, you know, just became like breakfast buddies. And then like, you know, uh, he's like, do you want to work on a skit? Like I said, they're always trying to produce stuff. Yeah. And they just need like someone with a camera. Yeah. And someone who they can gel with and someone who can see their vision and has a vision of their own. So uh, we just started making skits and they're pretty successful. Yeah, yeah. Mark Norman more more than anybody during the pandemic, like, he didn't skip a beat. Like yeah. it was just like he. I think there was like one video. He's just like on the street in New York, just kind of like riffing or whatever. And it was like you made the videos and they were hysterical. And I think some of the videos you did got like millions of views and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then during the pandemic, also Sam Morell was. Uh, he's obviously a hustling comic. Does like three sets a night normally, and during the pandemic, he was like. All I have are park shows and like I don't get to do any of my material like I do like five minutes and then it's like five minutes on being in a park it's like stale yeah so he said I want to start doing roof shows yeah on the roof and I was like well what's your plan he said well I'll just reach out to my fans on Instagram and be like if you have a roof and a microphone I'll come play your roof wow right and I was like well I'm coming to document that so I started like it was sort of a documentary slash special. That's so. That must have been so hard because there's not that much time to like prepare for it because he's just like putting the tweet out. Yeah, no, he, I, but you were doing nothing during the pandemic. I was just sitting yeah. in this apartment like I am right now. Yeah. So I was like, when he was like, I got a show tonight, I'm like, I'm going. How many? Yeah, because I watched anybody I, go check it out. It's like Samurai special on YouTube. It's like the roof. What is it? It's up on the roof. Up on the roof. It's incredible. You guys even had like dope ass like drone shots and stuff. I am very proud of that. It's the first comedy <laughs> special with a drone shot. Is that true? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, how else would you have it in a fucking comedy club? Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, it, it, like how many shows? To, to sh that's always been interesting. Like comedy specials. Like how many like shows did you have to shoot to edit all that together? You think it was about fifteen shows? Okay. And we went all over the city, all over, and we were like, we were timing it with like sunsets and like trying to like parse out his set, which was an hour, and being like, let's make it consistent looking. It's very difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, like 
weather conditions and so that's why we had to shoot so many and i like all like the b-roll stuff like i think at the beginning it's like him that's sitting on the streets like eating a slice of pizza and then like some lady gets offended or something about something he said oh yeah yeah. and it was just like that stuff just gave it more personality of like totally being in new york city i love it yeah it was a a real interesting energy at that time in new york city yeah and like how involved are you with like are are you there like kind of helping edit the thing intimately Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 Uh, yeah yeah, i've been enjoying watching those and like is that something you want to keep doing more of now that you've done it for like these comedians you have like a lot more guys coming at you to help them out with content yeah well there was another special i did with sam yeah um and it was uh when comedy started coming back in april when they opened up nightclubs again and they were like uh we're opening up to 30 percent capacity and i was like this is gonna be awkward and he was like I'm going to bomb a lot <laughs> because like, you know, playing to an empty room yeah. and I was like, let's document it. Yeah. So we made a whole full length documentary called full capacity, Sam Rill's full capacity. Yeah. And it's about that weird time in New York between April and like, I guess now. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever want to try stand up yourself? No chance. <laughs> no chance. Yes. <laughs> I remember I said I was immune to criticism. Yeah. Not that criticism. <laughs> yeah, man. You got to have guts to get in front of a room of people. Like, I, I've been to the Comedy Cellar a bunch of times, and it's just like, you, you've you been there, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's like this tight, confined space, yeah. and it's like, you can see everyone, and if a joke doesn't land, man, it gets, the energy just gets weird in that room. Yeah. It's like, starts sweating. I've seen some weird shows out there. I saw that dude, uh, what is his name? Uh, Godfrey? Oh, yeah. He, I don't know what it was. It was like this one night we were there. Uh, he must have been mad about something. He, he wasn't even doing con- He just started like yelling at people. And then like some people started leaving and he would, they were getting in arguments. It was well, like- something called walking the room. Yeah. And some comics are like, I'm going to walk the room. And which is, I'm going to just bomb and ch- test stuff out. Yeah. And like, berate the audience until everyone leaves yeah that's what it was like so maybe he was doing that yeah i never seen anything like that it was yeah, yeah. it was wild it's, it's it's a good thing to see but like it's awkward is yeah you've gotten to shoot like so many comedians you shot like uh, like louis ck back in the day mm-hmm. and like is there any comedian that you haven't worked with that you want to collaborate with do you think i mean so many i yeah. mean yeah. i can't think of off the top but like my door's open, so I can see you. I can, I can see you and Bert Kreischer, man. You'd be perfect for Bert. Yeah, Bert's he, hysterical. Yeah, he, his uh, his Instagram story is like hysterical. Man, that guy's wild. Yeah. Um, and a couple more questions. One shoot I had to ask you about. Uh, you you got to photograph old dirty bastard. It, you had this photo of like him getting massaged by this woman. Like, what was the whole story by photographing him? Well, he walked the room too. Okay. Yeah, he the he said some stuff, and the stylist left, and the um the person doing the manicure and pedicure left um he was just a complete raw personality and he said exactly what he thought didn't give a fuck how it landed in the room yeah um i guess kind of like a comic but uh i photographed him twice both times when he was uh fresh out of jail yeah um and he was a little different than the old dirty that you see like you see on film yeah he was sort of a little more subdued Mm -hmm. like for example um he was the only rapper i ever photographed who was one minute early wow and it was like a 9 a.m call that's amazing i know and like because like that the photo of him getting a massage on the table was that like was was that like a setup thing or was he actually getting massage and you kind of set that up or like what was um 
Yeah, we set that up with the ma- the magazine said, what would you like to do? Yeah. And I was like, let's do this. I have access to this room. Yeah. I have access. And then we got a, uh, that was a model giving a massage. All right. No, it was a cool photo. And then the other series, um, you got to spend like, a, it looked like a, like a day with DMX. Uh, what was that for? And like, what was that experience like? Because the photos were like so intimate. Like you're in the car with them. He's like drinking something. And then he's like, I don't know if he was at the DMV or something. And he's yeah. like in some office. But what was that all about? Um, if you're curious, I after DMX passed, I wrote a story for GQ about this. And I think it's called... My 17 Hours with DMX. Oh, yeah. I did see that when you released it. Yeah. Now that I think of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you go there for more details, but I'll give you a, a yeah. brief rundown. Yeah. It's yeah. maybe the most insane. It's like the only time... Well, it's definitely the only time I thought I was going to die on a photo shoot, but I literally texted my uh, photo editor, and I said, um, if I die in this car wreck, get the camera and print this. He was just driving like 100 miles an hour the entire day. 140 miles an hour. Drunk. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> Were you like, DMX, slow down, man. Slow well, down. <laughs> I, what I did when we reached like 120, I reached over and put the seatbelt on. I reached over and like click, click, put it in. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, safety first. And he, I was like trying to give him a hint, like slow the fuck down. Yeah. And he was like, man, that thing will kill you before it saves you. Oh, my God. I was like, what do you mean? How is, how is it going to kill me? He's like, if I flip this thing, catch this fire, you're not getting out. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere in his mind, when he woke up that morning, like flipping a car and catching fire was a possibility. Like, it was never a possibility in my, anytime I get in a car. But to him, he was like, I'm not wearing a seatbelt because I could flip it and could catch on fire. He got balls, man. I think that's one where I'm like tapping out. Sorry, I'm out. <laughs> how do you tap out on I-95? <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. It, like, as soon as you get out of the car, I'm like, this is not for me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Oh, I have a picture of the odometer like ticking between 130 and 140. So was it basically just you and him pretty much? Speedometer, not odometer. Yeah, it was speedometer. just you and him basically the the entire day. The entire sp- day. So uh, the story, the real story goes, I was supposed to photograph him for XXL yeah. in Chicago. And they flew me out there. It's like 1500 bucks all in, yeah. you know, And but it was a dream. So I was like, yeah, get me there. So I'm like now waiting for the shoot and it's like, two hours late and I'm like calling his manager he's like he's gonna be there a minute any minute and I was like all right four hours I'm like what's up he's like he's not in Chicago I was like what were you expecting him to be in Chicago (laughs) I was like where is he he's like he's in Miami oh my god and I was like oh my god I was like all right so I flew home magazine like this is a wrap but you know thanks you keep your 1500 yeah and I was like I really want to do the shoot though and they're like, well, it's wrapped. So, and I said, just, you know, put me in touch with the manager. Give me his number or something. And they're like, oh, we have his number. You can have his number. Wow. So yeah. I, I called him. And it was just as you would, like, picture it. He picked up the phone. He's like, what's up? <laughs> and I was like, uh, this is a photographer from XXL. I was in Chicago. I didn't see you. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do the shoot tonight. And I was like, I'm in New York. He's like, I'm in Miami. I was like. Well, he's, I was like, what do we do? He's like, let's do the shoot tomorrow. And I said, well, you know, you already pulled out once. I was like, I'd love to fly down to Miami and do this with you. I was like, but you really have to do it. He's like, we're doing it tomorrow. Wow. And I was like, X. I was like, I'm spending my own money on this. This isn't the magazine's money anymore. Yeah. And he was like, oh, really? Like, he got, like, serious, not like. Now I can't flake out. Performative like, DMX was, like, the guy. Yeah. And he was like, oh, all right. He was like, I'll pick you up from the airport. 
DMX picked you up from the airport? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did fly down. No ride from the airport. Yeah. But I did have his address at the hotel he was staying at. And I pulled into the hotel. And I'm like beeping the horn outside the hotel. He comes out. He's like, are you the guy? I was like, I'm the guy. He's like, my wife needs your car. <laughs> so, what the fuck? <laughs> so we swapped cars like his baby seat goes from his like uh 500 uh what was it it's like this i can't remember the car now is mercedes yeah uh and he took the baby seat out of that one and put it in my car and then we took off in his wife's car jesus christ dude. and then had a fucking insane you know 12 to 17 hours together yeah dude the photos were incredible like it was yeah, dude. He what? said yes to every suggestion. Yeah. Like, uh, X, let's go get beans and rice. Yes. A person at the beans and rice place is like, X, do you want to come record in my studio right now? Yes. <laughs> X, you want to take this pill? Yes. <laughs> so he's like rapping in some rando studio yeah. for free. Yeah. Pills, driving drunk. It's It was fucking, I mean... It was an experience. I just watched a documentary HBO this released on Thanksgiving about DMX, and it was like it was basically a documentary, basically like the last year of his life. It was like him getting out of jail, and then it kind of showed him with his family and stuff. But yeah, his whole life was just like all over the place, dude. Constant turmoil. Yeah, yeah. It was wild, but mixed with genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Another shoot that always stuck out, you, you photographed Aesop Rocky like early on, and you made an Instagram post about it where you got the photograph from the night his first album released, and it was like you're there kind of at the beginning of his career. Which was really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I think he, that's 10 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least he said his album came out 10 years ago, which I can't believe that's true. Yeah. Yeah, probably about. Yeah. Hey, you've been around a while, but those photos were great. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's rare you get to and i said this to him i was like it's rare you get to be with someone on the best night of their life yeah and like he turned off from being asap rocky to being the guy and he sat back and he was like oh my god yeah yeah you're right yeah 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 that's awesome like you get a lot of like when you're photographing famous people especially rappers you get like the performative version of themselves because they they think like oh camera's on i gotta be this Keep guy image up yeah, and yeah. All that. so like when you can break that it's it's like the connection that I'm looking for. Yeah. And then they trust you more. Yeah. And they, uh, if they know you're not going to screw them over with like making them look bad or whatever, you know, you can make a good picture. No, it's awesome. And I guess to wrap up, like you've been doing this a while, like what kind of keeps you still excited about photography? Is it still just as exciting for you as like when you first got into it? Yes. I get the same, level of anxiety every shoot small shoot big shoot ad job like small job like it's it's the same process and the same level of anxiety it's not a negative thing i don't, I don't take anxiety as a negative i no. take it as a positive it's like fuel yeah yeah keeps life exciting yeah and like anything anything you're hoping to work on we're about to come into a new year here in about a month or so anything i'm shooting a comedy special on december 21st at the cellar wow yeah dude. is that it hey you actually get to go indoors this time yeah, not, yeah. Not how to roof. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool man because like, i don't think they let a lot of people photograph in there it's like it's such a his, yeah it's his, tight. historic place yeah to get that like that must, that's that's amazing 
Is yeah. that is that Sam or no? Uh, but Sam wants to do one in uh, January, February, twenty twenty two. So perfect. Well, Matt, man, I'm glad we did this, dude. Like I said, thank I, you. I've always been a, a fan of your work, man. You're always out there hustling and shooting shit. So, man, I can't thank you enough. And for people listening, if they want to check out more of your work, where should they go? Um, Salacuse.com or everything's up on my Instagram, which is just Salacuse. Perfect. I'll link it. They can check it out. But uh, thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate what. Don't turn that off. <laughs> I appreciate what you're doing for the photo world. So thank you. Oh, right, yeah. No, definitely, man. It's a pleasure. This is a blast. Oh. <laughs> All right. Cool. So there you have it. That was the Matthew Salacuse interview. I just want to thank Matt so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him about his journey with photography and all the projects he's been working on re- recently with all the comedians. Uh, really interesting stuff. So can't thank him enough. Uh, definitely go check out Matt's website at salacuse.com. As well, definitely go follow him on Instagram at salacuse. Um, he's always posting up different projects he's working on. So definitely worth checking that out. Um, I'll put all the links in the descriptions. Um, but as always, thanks so much for listening. And I got more episodes coming. I know it's been slow lately, but I'm going to keep churning them out. I got some a uh, couple of already recorded. Uh, so definitely be in the lookout for those. And uh, thanks so much.